Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Some of you are familiar, in fact, most of you, if you did happen to grow up in church, are familiar with a tax collector in the New Testament by the name of Zacchaeus. Unfortunately, we we remember more about the song of him being a wee little man uh, than we do about a lot of the things that went on in the life of this uh, chief tax collector. Just a few facts really quick. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, emphasis on chief. This didn't simply mean that he was a greedy man, but that he was a long-term swindler. He had been practicing uh, for a very long time. Tax collectors had a horrible reputation, as a lot of you know, uh, during this period of time in ancient Israel. Tax collectors were hated because of the underhandedness in their collection practices for cheating and abusing the poor and the accumulation of their own wealth. All right, this is the issue that that they they primarily had, but also the fact that they were really viewed as traitors to their own people. All right, they were Jews themselves, but they were really in line with the state, with Rome. So they were viewed also as traitors and looked at in a very negative way. But one day, Jesus is going to pass through Jericho. And through a turn of events, he is going to end up having dinner and dining at this chief tax collector's home. And this selfish, greedy, self-indulgent man is going to experience a radical transformation and receive a fresh start. There is something to this story about a dead person a person who is dead in their own sin, receiving a fresh start and receiving the opportunity for the newness of life. And that's what we see in the situation with Zacchaeus. Now, fresh starts are amazing and fresh starts happen here. Some of you know that because your fresh start happened here. And as we conclude this series in the book of Ruth, we are going to talk about one of the greatest possible topics or subjects that we could ever talk about. And it's this idea of redemption. It's this idea of a fresh start. It's this idea of owing a debt and then that debt being canceled. It's the opportunity to see things in a completely new way. And this is what we're going to see in our story today, because I believe very, very much that there are some of you that are in this room right now, and that there are some people listening online and that will listen to the podcast later that are in great need of a fresh start. And because of the way that their family has talked to them, or friends have talked to them, or their their co-workers have talked to them, the way that society views them, they don't believe that they are worthy 
of a fresh start. But God's mercies are new every day, the psalmist tells us. And this is something important that we really need to be able to grab a hold of uh, today. So my desire today is for those of you that have experienced the redemption of God, and many of you in here have, you've experienced this redemption before. At some point in your life, you accepted Christ, you made a commitment to follow Jesus. Uh, Maybe at certain times in your life, you've kind of fallen away from that just a little bit. I want you to be able to experience that anew today. So maybe you're in a place of complacency. Maybe you're in a place where you're distracted. Maybe you're in a place where your focus is in on all of these other things. My desire is that you can experience this anew. And then there are others of you in here that have never experienced this before. And maybe you've went to church and maybe you're second, third generation in this church. Maybe you know a lot of the religious customs, the rules, the regulations, all those kinds of things. But the truth is, as far as a fresh start and walking away in a completely new way, in a new light. You've never experienced that before. And it's my desire that you are able to experience that today. So prior to where we are beginning today, we remember that Naomi's sons and husband have died. She is left with only one foreign daughter-in-law, Ruth, and they have traveled back to Israel. Naomi has traveled back to Israel. Ruth is going to Israel for the first time. Ruth goes to glean in the fields of Boaz, and he welcomes her. She will then, and we didn't cover chapter 3, okay, so that's kind of one little area that we had to skip over, meet Boaz at the threshing floor, and through a turn of events, he will make the decision to make her his wife. Okay, so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. We're going to look at the first 10 verses, and then we're going to skip over to verse 13. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you can. If you want to look up on the screen, that's perfectly fine too. Ruth chapter 4, this is where we're going to finish up, first 10 verses, and then we're going to look at verse 13 as well. So this is what the passage tells us. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Just then, the Redeemer, about whom Boaz had spoken, was passing by. He said, sir, come over here and sit down. So he turned aside and sat down. Then he took 10 men from the town's elders and said, sit down here and they sat down. Boaz said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the field of Moab, is selling the portion of the field that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought that I should let you know and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you won't redeem it, tell me so that I may know. There isn't anyone to redeem it except you. I'm next in line after you. He replied, this is the redeemer, I will redeem it. But then Boaz said, on the day when you buy the field from Naomi, you also buy Ruth the Moabite, the foreign woman, the wife of the dead man, in order to preserve the dead man's name for his inheritance. But the redeemer replied, then I can't redeem it for myself without risking damage to my own inheritance. He's thinking about himself. Redeem it for yourself. You can have the right to my redemption because I'm unable to act as redeemer. 
In Israel, in former times, there was a practice regarding the redemption and exchange to confirm any such matter. A man would take off his sandal and give it to the other person. This was just a, just a gesture of transaction and a gesture of respect. This was the process of making a transaction binding in Israel. Then the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And he took off his sandal. Boaz announced to the elders and all the people today, or today, you are witnesses that I, that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon, which were the sons. And also Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, I bought to be my wife to preserve the dead man's name for his inheritance so that the name of the dead man may not be cut off from his brothers or from the gate of his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. Skipping ahead to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He was intimate with her and the Lord let her become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. So what we've been trying to do in the last couple of weeks is take this absolutely amazing story and give gospel parallels that actually apply to where we are, our condition as sinners, areas that we struggle in, and what it means to actually be changed and redeemed by the power of God. So Boaz chose to restore Naomi. That's what we see here. Boaz is choosing. He's making a choice to act as redeemer and restore Naomi, which in turn is going to restore Ruth. God chose through Jesus to restore us. Speaking of the land, the redeemer says this to Boaz. I thought I should let you know and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you won't redeem it, tell me so that I may know. There isn't anyone to redeem it except you. And I'm next in line after you. So then he replies, I will redeem it. But then because Boaz intends to marry Ruth, he is the one that ends up acting as redeemer. A prevailing theme that I'm really surprised I've not mentioned up to this point is this beautiful Hebrew concept known as hesed. Now, we don't have an English equivalent for this word, but it's very important for us to discuss it. So this Hebrew concept, hesed, means love in action or costly love. It is love that goes out of its way. It's love that will help an enemy. It's love that will reach out to a stranger. It's a kind of love that the majority of us who believe we understand love never practice in our everyday lives. Love in action. Costly love. When I reach out to extend this kind of love, it may mean that it does not benefit me in any way. And that is exactly what God does for us. Scholar and theologian Daryl Bach describes it this way. This is incredible. Listen to this. Wrapping up in itself all of the positive attributes of God, 
all of the positive attributes, everything that is good about Yahweh is found. And you're not going to find it anywhere else. And here it is. Love, covenant faithfulness. That means I've made a promise to you and I'm going to keep it. It's loyalty that you're not going to find anywhere else. Mercy. I need mercy. Grace, kindness, loyalty, acts of devotion, and loving kindness. That Listen to this. Go beyond the requirements of duty. So people may suggest as a follower of Jesus that I am required to love my neighbor. And that would be true. And for a lot of people loving their neighbor, they'll say, well, I love my neighbor. I don't have any problem with him. I just stay away from him. Going beyond the requirements of duty, taking the time out of your day and your agenda and what you had planned to reach out to the least of these, the marginalized, the people who are broken, the people who are struggling. And this is exactly what redemption means. And here's the beautiful thing. Hesed, this costly love, this love in action is found in every single chapter of Ruth. Ruth shows it to Naomi. How does she do this? Week one. Well, I know it doesn't make any sense for me to go here. I know your son has died. I know that it's unlikely that I'm going to remarry, but where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your God will be my God. That's not rational. That doesn't make any sense. It's love that goes beyond the call of duty. It's love that continues to go. And when you're broken, and when you're living in your shame, and you wonder why you continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, If there is a God, you're certainly not good enough to be in this God's company. But it's a God that continues to love. It's a God that continues to pursue you. It's a God that won't let go. And unfortunately, I know a lot of the churches that that maybe you're familiar with or you grew up in, they don't talk about this kind of God in this sense. But this is the God of the Bible that aggressively pursues you. So Ruth shows this to Naomi. Boaz then shows this to Ruth. What did he say last week? Don't go glean in the other fields. Don't go where things could be dangerous for you. Stay here. Stay put. Stay in my fields. Stay here where it's going to be safe. God shows this to Israel. He shows this to David. And he shows this to us. He showed this to an arrogant alcoholic that was convinced he had everything figured out. I don't need that religion that preys upon weak people. While God aggressively pursued over and over and over. As I understand how difficult, I know how difficult this is to grasp. And I completely understand that but I want you to try to accept this. And if you can accept this, and if you can start to meditate on this throughout the course of your day as your mind gets distracted, 
with all of the things that you have to do, if you can really think about this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change everything. God is aggressively pursuing you. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. Your spouse may be great, but your spouse can never love you in this way. Your children, your parents, your friends, they can never love you in this way. Even in your deep, dark mess. There are people that are in here right now and they are in the middle of that deep, dark mess. And what we look at as far as the parallel within this story is if you are a, a widow in a patriarchal society and you're poor and you have no rights whatsoever, you are in a deep, dark mess. But fortunately, there is a redeemer. There's a redeemer within the story. So your situation, it may seem impossible. Your condition may seem hopeless. Your insecurities and your self-doubt. It's not that you think that God is bad. It's that because of your own insecurities and your own self-doubt, you simply don't see yourself as worthy enough to be in a relationship with this God. But I want you to understand that you can have a fresh start today. Romans 6, 4 through 7, one of the greatest passages in Scripture. Therefore, we are buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. That doesn't make sense, Matt. I don't understand. My conditions are, are, are very present. What is going on right now? How difficult things are? No, starting today, you can walk in the newness of life. It happens all the time. And it's happened for centuries that people make the decision to walk away. Well, look at Zacchaeus again and walk in the newness of life. If we were united together in a death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know, that the person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin, that had been controlled by our way, that had been controlled by, I need to make sure that my retirement is taken care of. I need to make sure that my hobbies and all the things that I enjoy and all my plans and everything that I care about for my life are all in order. I'm living for me. And maybe if God is lucky enough, I'll sprinkle some in. This is sin that we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So then if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has made the decision to let all of the past go, to experience redemption, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. They're no longer there. And everything new has arrived. Stop believing the lie that you are unworthy because of Christ and only because of Christ, you are worthy. Also recognize that redemption makes everything new. 
This concept of hesed, costly love, love in action makes everything new. This is the crux of the book of Ruth. So I want you to think about some of the best news that you've ever received. Some of the best things that you've ever been told in your life. You can think of some for yourself right now. Here's some for me. And then we'll go a little more general. I remember when Beth told me because she found out before I did, before Callie and myself did, it's a boy. And I remember hearing, Mr. Smith, would you like to hold your daughter? I remember hearing my dad say at my wedding, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Maybe you've heard this one before. You will be receiving that bonus this year. The seller has agreed to the terms on your house. You will receive a full refund. How about this one? Cancer-free. Your blood work came back perfect. I imagine that my parents heard this at one time. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, your son is in full remission. But here is the greatest news ever. You have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. The things that held you back, the things that were part of the anger, the frustration, the addiction, the darkness. I'll say it again. His mercies are new every day. There is, there is something about comfort. There is something about comfort that often keeps us away from God through things we're watching, through a bottle, through a relationship that keeps us away. But one thing that I started to recognize in this journey is that the gentle touch of God and knowing that despite my shortcomings and everything that I am, that he is always going to be closer than close, go beyond the requirements of duty makes all the difference in the world. Verse 10, and also Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, I've bought bought to be my wife, to preserve the dead man's name for his inheritance so that the name of the dead man may not be cut off from his brothers, from the gates of his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses. I think we have a hard time really grasping the magnitude of what this looks like in the 21st century. But as an ancient landowner and the desire to hold on to your property and to understand that you can not only do that, but you're also restoring other people in the process is truly an incredible thing. So I'd like to share something with you about the legacy of redemption. See, redemption is contagious. Redemption becomes generational. Redemption has 
a lineage and a legacy. When Boaz and Ruth marry, as we saw in that last verse, verse 13, they have a son named Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse, who was the father of David, the eventual king of Israel, who will also be a descendant of Jesus, which means Ruth will be a descendant of Jesus. Now, I don't know how significant, and I'm doing my best to keep my voice, I'm sick. I don't know how significant this appears to you. But let me tell you something about going from the bottom and then experiencing redemption. Ruth, the Moabite widow, the foreigner, the woman in a patriarchal society, the poor woman at that, among the least of these, will be rooted in royalty. This is my story. And this is for some of you in here right now. This is your story. From the bottom, not knowing what to do, not believing that I could be loved, not seeing myself as ever being able to quit some things, completely and fully redeemed. And here's the thing. Redemption this, this is great. Redemption's not a one-time thing. I'm redeemed every day. Every single day. So earlier we mentioned this chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. We spoke of his, his greed and his inner darkness and his own afflictions. Luke 19 goes on to tell us, after his encounter with Jesus, not a substitute, but after his encounter with Jesus, this is what 8 and 9 say. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, this is after they eat together, look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Again, may seem completely insignificant to you, but I want you to think about someone who as far as finances are concerned, enough is never enough. You can never put a dollar amount that is going to satisfy with how much this person has. And then eventually this individual is going to say, I'm giving half of everything that I have to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I'm going to repay them four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today, Salvation's come to this household. Not a religious experience. You didn't improve Zacchaeus. You didn't develop better business methods. You didn't become a better person. You didn't look back and say, maybe I wasn't being very, for, uh, very fair. You were transformed. You were changed. Everything is new. Because of, his, because of his experience with Jesus. Today, for some of you, is a day of salvation. This is transform, transform, transformational change. 
due to the reality of redemption. And we can see this in the future of Naomi and Ruth. So as we close up this series, I want you to think about this. I imagine a tired old widow as we talk about Naomi that is able to live the rest of her life. Her lot was not good. Her story was not supposed to end very good. Finishing her life in peace. Completely taken care of. With Ruth, I believe that the reality of her ethnicity as a Moabite, that her condition of poverty was never brought up again. It was done. Her faithfulness to Naomi and Naomi's God had been rewarded. So I don't think you guys are ever going to read Ruth the same way again. Because I think for a lot of people, it's a love story. I think for a lot of people, redemption may be there. But not to the degree that we see the handprints of Jesus on everything in this story. So as we close today, I want you to really think about this passage because I'm going to read it again. And this is Romans 6, 4 through 7. And it's the greatest news ever. Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. If we were united together in a death like his, and this part right, it's not optional. You have to go through this part. It's not optional. It's not, you don't get to skip steps. So if we were united together in a death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. That the person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we couldn't be slaves to sin anymore. Do I struggle? Yes. Do I, are there still to this day things that I wish I wouldn't say and things that I wish I wouldn't do? Yes. But I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave. And what I'd like to ask you to think about as we close today and as we worship, have you forgotten about your first love? Are you in a place where there is no joy? Are you in a place where this redemption is not the reality that it should be? And if that's the case, I want to invite you to come down and ask God to restore that joy and to restore that love. Because even in your doubt in this moment, 
again, aggressively pursuing you. And there are others of you that are in here today. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus and you need me to pray with you or you felt like you made that decision and that decision was not authentic, I'm more than happy to talk to you about that, to share that with you. You just have to be willing to take that first step. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that we are so unworthy and knowing, God, that as we, as we wonder why you would love us in our mess, as we wonder why, Father, as we see ourselves as unworthy and for, and for others, others, God, who may just simply resist, I pray, God, that the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon us this morning. So that God, whenever we go to lunch after church, or that whenever we go to work tomorrow, we understand the sacrifice that was made for us. And God, that we do whatever it takes, if that means putting the right people around us, if that means forming strong walls of accountability, if that means changing our habits and suffering through the difficulty of changing those habits, that, God, you will show us how to do that. Father, we pray for the Spirit to work in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.